Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number... 50. 50. 50. It's our 50th anniversary show. Wait, anniversary? anniversary? Not It's anniversary. our 50th episode. <laughs> I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. Except that's not what we're doing today. No, we it's, changed the format just it, for today. Oh, this doesn't mark the transition no, point. No, we're not going to list five things all forever. So this uh, is a very special shut up and watch this. Yes. Although <laughs> it doesn't have any uncomfortable subject matter or after school special lessons, I don't think. It's 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 not like every episode of Degrassi. <laughs> yes, Degrassi Junior High Canadian television program. I'm going to just yeah. do the uh, uh, annotations. Which is not on my list. When you interesting. Incidentally. Okay, so what? Let's. What? What are we doing? Because uh, first of all, let me clarify something. You went last week. Yes. This is my turn. Does by doing a very special episode, do I forfeit? No, you don't my... forfeit your turn. Okay, you're, so you're, I still you're the next to, pick. I still get picker. to. You're the next control pick. the audio and the video. And next I'm time. the next picky or whatever that. Okay. Is. <laughs> so this time we decided to do a top. Top five list. Yes. Of how how are we going to land on this? Five media properties. No, we don't like it when I say media properties. Um, it's yeah. Five things. Five things that bring us comfort when things are crazy, stressful, weird. Yes. That sort of thing. Okay. <laughs> My five things do happen to be all movies. Okay. But I we I can jump in. No, you don't have to rearrange yeah. anything because we went with five things. Yes. Okay? Because on this show... Mine we've... are four movies and a TV show. So, okay. And sorta. a partridge. And a partridge and a pear tree. Okay. Just clarifying. So, um, oh, the other strange, the other factoid is this isn't actually our 50th episode. This is our 50th. Second, because we did episode. two specials. We did two, <laughs> two extra <laughs> Extras. episodes. Um, uh, those... Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yes. What was the other one? I don't know. I wasn't prepared to do that. You put okay. me on the spot. Sorry. I think it was Roma. That's right, Roma. We saw Roma, and we had to talk about it. So, so this usually happens when we, yeah, when we see something, a new release that neither of us seen before, and we're like, oh my god, we have to talk about that right now. Get the microphone out. Let's make a show. <laughs> it happened twice. Well, there were some other ones, like Burning, maybe we should have done. Burning, we should have done. I really wanted to do Agnes Varda's Faces Places when we saw that. Yeah, and I think we just that. ran out of time that weekend. Yeah. I mean, and I can't remember if we had already done one of those extras. Maybe we had done Roma. I think we had just done Roma when we saw Faces Places. So um, it was about two and a half, two, a little over two years ago that we started this show, basically, yeah. to do what we already do, which is show each other things but we wanted other people to hear our conversation and we didn't always have conversations about them that's true so i i still have there's all these things i regret that we didn't get to do on the show because that means we didn't get to have the hour-long conversation about x repo man or whatever repo man yes yeah Maybe we should do that. Yeah. I think we've even Or American Werewolf in London. Can you believe that? You know. I had never seen it before. I know. Okay, so uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to start? We'll start from five and work our way to one. Okay, uh, so shall I go first? I'll go first. Yeah, go first. So the first on my list is, it's technically a movie, but it is actually a filmed one-woman show, which I have shown you, and I wish that we had oh had the ability to do it for the podcast. Everybody, she came with props, I came and I wasn't props. prepared for this. She's got so a stack of DVDs. Is... Well, I don't want to see what the other ones are. It's supposed to be a surprise. Sorry. And now I can I'll see. Cover it. I can see. I'll cover it. You're ruining it. You knew that one was on there. I didn't, for sure. No. Yes, she did. Um. <laughs> you have to say what this is called. So this is, um, Julia Sweeney did a couple one-woman shows, but this is her first, and it's called God Said Ha. Um and it's just recorded in like a little LA theater. Um, says it's produced by Quentin Tarantino for some reason, um, but it actually is just a film. They just used to put that on DVD boxes. Yeah. And so it's just her like on a set, um, on a couch, telling her story, which is the story of the year that her brother was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and the and she was. And then she was also she was also diagnosed with 
cancer, not terminal, but but also cancer. Luckily, hers was treatable. Her brother's was at a stage that it was not. Yeah. So it's the story of how her family comes together and her little um, bungalow in L.A. to take care of her brother. When everybody as, converges to as, take care of her brother. Yeah, as he's moving on to the next stage of existence and um, or non-existence. Um, and it's just a beautiful, sad, wonderful celebration of life and it's funny and it's tear jerking and it's to me like it prepared me for grief in a way i mean because i discovered this when Wait, i was you like found this a long time ago when i was like 16 or something like that oh, I, I found it at the hastings in lubbock um <laughs> and i watched it i rented it and watched it and i loved it and i finally a few years ago although this is probably an ancient dvd yeah tracked it down and ordered it off of ebay or amazon or something like that yeah. so i do have a dvd copy of it but um it's just one of my favorite things that i've just stuck yeah. with me for so long and very comforting in an odd sort of way <laughs> sometimes the things that are comforting are things that run you through a range of emotions and actually mirror and um, validate yeah. things that you're feeling or the, the hardest things that you have to deal with. And I don't, it's not catharsis necessarily, yeah. but there's something about moving through the experience with somebody else and you feeling seen and, yeah. and acknowledged also. Well, it's, you know, for when you're 16 and as I was very lucky in my life that I didn't have any major losses in my life until I was in my 30s. But, you know, it did help with that sort of empathy with mm -hmm. people who had experienced major losses. I mean, you know, because I had friends, well, and, and mm -hmm. you who lost their parents very young, yeah. you know. So um, it just it's just a very meaningful piece of art for me. And it, technically a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Julia Sweeney was on Saturday Night Live at some point, right? Is yes, that where she, I know she was That's on, the only thing I knew her so, from. So and she actually does a bit on her mate her most famous character was this sort of um it was questionable whether I mean like the whole joke was is she a man, is she a woman? It's Pat. It's Pat. It's Pat. Yeah. I didn't know that was her. Yeah. Okay. So that was I, her I big that. character. So yeah. which she's embarrassed of yeah, now. That you that's know. what you are known that for. That was everybody everybody knows her for that. So there's a pretty yeah. funny story about Pat in that. I forgot about that. Well you yeah. did show this to me a few years ago. I remember watching it at your apartment. Um, and it was really good. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would ever have known that it existed. It's not like something you ever stumble upon. Uh, and, unless you're at, at the Hastings in Lubbock, I guess. Is it streamable, do you think? Or, or do you have to like find it at a library or, or a eBay kind of thing? It seems pretty obscure to me, but I don't uh, know. I, you know, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but if you like, you know, Mark, Mark, uh, Mike Birbiglia's sort of yeah, one man stuff, those. it's very yeah. much along that same like line. Like the sleepwalking one? Yeah, sleepwalk with me, that sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that's one we did get to see together, mm -hmm. so... Uh, my number five is pretty different from that. And it's also very different from everything else on my list. And it's also a, maybe not what you would think of as a comforting pick it's, or a hopeful pick. It's not a hopeful pick, yeah. but it's a comfort film for me. And it's the 1944 film noir, Laura. Oh, I still have not seen it. every once in a while, I, I think we should do it on the show or I want to get you to see it. And a few months ago, it was playing at Austin Film Society just before the shutdown, I yeah, think, maybe I think a month so. or so before. And we happened to miss it. I don't know if we had my kids that weekend or what, but it didn't, it didn't work out. It's directed by Otto Preming Preminger. Preminger. I Preminger. Um, and it has um, Dana Andrews. He's a man. He's mm. like one of those tough guy, B actor, film noir sort of things. He's a detective who's investigating the um, murder of Laura, Laura Hunt. This so, so young... Laura's already gone by this time. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> She's already gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Laura's played by Jean Tierney in the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. um, and so this tough as nails kind of bored existential. Well, I don't even think he's bright enough to be existential. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of going through the motions, doing another case and um, investigating 
Laura's background and her apartment where she lived. Um, it turns out she was a she was a young woman who wanted to get into advertising, and she met the right people, and the right person happened to be um, th- one of the great characters in the film. Clifton Webb plays this awful, fascinating, um, bitter edged gossip columnist. He's one of these classic characters, not unlike George Sanders in All About Eve or something like that, right? Um, And so for me, this movie is all about the wit and sarcasm of the Mm. dialogue. It's, It's short. It's about, I think it's probably about 90 minutes long. So this is the kind of thing that like, I'm alone in the house or you're away or over the years, you know, if I'm there, it's 1030 at night. I don't want to watch something. Like there's something about this, like curl up with some tea or or whiskey on the other side yeah. of things <laughs> and just like let the dialogue play and the mood play. It has that haunting song that became like a hit. Mm. Laura, it's the, a lot of people know it's kind of a standard. I mean, it's a melody. I don't mm. even know if it has lyrics. And I, and I wish I'd jotted down. I mean, there's a famous song that's been done a million times. And I know we have it on a couple of our jazz okay. records, not Chet Baker, but... Um, one of my Bill Evans records yeah. or something like that. Um, it's the dialogue. It's Clifton Webb. It's, <laughs> and then it's this strange, it's got a sort of a strange structure, you know, as he asks questions and gets involved with Waldo Lidecker, the gossip columnist, you see flashbacks of Laura's past and what led to this point. But also one of the strange sort of things that made it kind of a, uh, kind of a cult movie or a different sort of film was it's it it isn't really about the mystery at a mm. certain point it's not about what happened to her what happens is this sort of dull cop this this yeah. hard-boiled character like becomes obsessed with her mm. with what's with her what's in her apartment, the things in her apartment, but especially the painting on the wall, yeah. the portrait of her that's still hanging in, in her apartment. And in a certain sense, he sort of falls in love with the, of the personality, the image and the character, the person of this woman who he learns about <laughs> through the story. So it's just really fascinating. Yeah, interesting. Um, and it's got this great, great dialogue. I had to jot down a little bit. So Waldo, the, the gossip columnist says, in my case, self-absorption is completely justified. I've never discovered any other subject quite so worthy as my of my attention. And then Laura says, But you write about people with such understanding and sentiment. That's what makes your column so good. He said, Well, the sentiment comes easy at 50 cents a word. <laughs> uh, but I can't do... I can't do uh, Clifton Webb. He's, like... He's thin in a dapper little suit. He's just kind of, um, you know... I don't think he has a monocle, but he's like Mr. Peanut. He's like this, but kind of a smarmy New York sophisticate type who, you know, sits in his bathtub with a weird makeshift table and types his columns and stuff like that. It's just a fascinating world. There's not really much to say to that, is there? We should, I should see it sometime. You should see that. And now we can't do it on the I show. I want to see because it. Because I talked about it too well. much. So... I'm going to follow that up with something. <laughs> that was an eloquent discussion, and I'm going to follow it up with... Unfortunately, it was more of a monologue than a discussion. <laughs> well, I just haven't seen it. I would love to talk about it. Um, but I'm going to follow that up with Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> yes. It's uh, it's a pairing that uh, I've never thought of before. Laura but the, and, and Harold and Kumar would, go to White that Castle. That would make a great double feature. So... I just love this film. I could watch it over and over. It's completely silly. It's gross out. There's sex. There's pot. There's there's gross out jokes. It's just... But it also somehow ends up being like... So it was directed by the same guy who did Dude, Where's My Car? I don't know who <laughs> Which that I is. never saw, but um, it has Ashton Kutcher as like the white dude that's yeah, like yeah, looking yeah. for his car while he's high or whatever. Again, I haven't seen it, but I decided to see this because it actually like takes it on its head and like confronts some of those like stereotypes that we have against Asian and East Asian, uh, East Asian and South Asian people. So um, it has John Cho and uh, Cal Penn as the guys and 
really the whole point is they get high and they want to go eat at White Castle, but there's all these misadventures that happen in this night, and um, I, it's a thoroughly enjoyable film. <laughs> <laughs> and actually what made me think of it is um, I was listening to a Spotify playlist earlier, Songs to Sing in Your Car, and uh, Wilson Phillips' Hold On for One More Day came on. Is that from this and movie? And there's actually um, a scene where where they sing that song uh, sort of at the climax of the movie together as they're getting closer <clears throat> to their mm-hmm. final destination. Um, final destination. So so I just, if, if you're looking for complete escapism... <laughs> If you're if you're not if you don't want to think about anything very deep at all, highly recommend uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> I've seen it, but I don't remember it very well, so okay. I don't think I clicked with it quite as <clears throat> quite as much. I can't explain. It must have come <clears throat> out me. like around the same time that I. When was, did it come out? Uh, let's see if I can read things that are that small. <laughs> let's see if I can read things. <laughs> it's fine. You don't need to. Yeah, I what was going on it. in your life? Were you in college? What? I was in college or just after, I want to say. Um, yeah, I still can't see the... It's fine. You don't need to. Let's not yeah. waste time on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very much a college movie, and I guess that's when I found it and uh, connected with it. I, I remember we saw it in the theater with my college friends, so... I remember seeing it and liking it enough to watch the second movie, which oh, no, no, I absolutely hated and thought was terrible. Do not see the second And one of the worst movie. things I'd ever seen. <laughs> but the first one I liked. Yeah. I just don't remember it and I've only seen it once. Yeah. <laughs> Escapism. Yes. But it's disqualified for any other discussion on this show because I have seen it. Yes. Yes. That's probably going to happen a lot yes. for us. So, um... Because we we like juxtapositions, my number four <laughs> is uh, Singing in the Rain. Oh, yeah. Wow. So Singing That's in the Rain. That's good stuff. 1952. Yeah. Gene Kelly, mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds, Donald O'Connor, and um, the good wonderful, morning. wonderful Gene Hagen as the shrill <laughs> Lena Lamont. I just can't stand it. That's perfect. I'm I didn't good. even have to cue up a line from the I'm... movie. Character actress from way back. (laughs) Love this movie. I've loved this movie since I saw it for the first time when I was a teenager. I think I watched it because I, you know, I realized when I was looking at my shelves the other day that I have the first like sort of film directing, Mm -hmm. film studies textbook that I ever owned that I got when I was about 13 or 14. It's still up there. And I remember one of the things I loved about it was it was, it would take a genre and then do like a close reading and analysis Mm of, of that film. Um, I think it's called Film, Form, and Feeling, but I can't remember who the author is, and I can't see it from here. But anyway, that had the chapter on Singing in the Rain, and in order to get the full benefit of the chapter, I had to see the movie. So I rented it at one of my favorite video stores in San Francisco. And um, for many years, that was, I think, the only musical that I liked. Uh, I've seen more now yeah. than then. But it was it was a film more yeah. than a... I mean, it had a insane structure and it was so meta it was about yeah. the movies it was about the transition of silent film into the talkies and how those great stars like don Lockwood yeah I can't believe I'm not drinking We're a Don Lockwood, Lockwood right one now. of my favorite cocktails is a Don Lockwood named after the character We're from drinking Singing Moscow in the Rain meals. yes <laughs> I don't know what what you pair that with um anyway don't Battleship go there Potemkin I don't sure. know <laughs> well yeah that's not on my list okay <laughs> Although the the uh, the Odessa step sequence, so good did stuff. I ever tell you the first time I saw Singing in the Rain? No. My dad. Well, I don't know. My dad took me to it. It was playing at an old theater in Lubbock called the Cactus Theater, and we saw it on like it was it was a badly scratched print, but it had you know crackly. It was beautiful. It was fun. It was it was a great experience. So. I saw it on VHS tape. Yeah. It was years <laughs> before I got to see it finally at the Paramount, I think, and. I know I've showed it to the girls. I can't remember if I took them in person or just we probably I probably made well, the them The Paramount w- shows it nearly every year. Yeah, but it's very rare that I could get them to go. That's true. More so when they were younger. I would just yeah. say, we're going, get in the car, and then we'd go see Charlie Chaplin or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, I'm glad you like it too. I That's... could watch it any night. I think everything on my list I could put on right now and yeah, watch it. Yeah, I could watch Singing in the Rain. 
as 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 many times as I mean, in addition to the the musical numbers like singing in the rain, yeah. it's got the make them laugh. Yeah, like Donald O'Connor bouncing off the walls and running up onto the up the wall and all I that always like stuff. Good morning. That was my good favorite morning. One. Good morning. I sing that to Fiona sometimes yeah. when I go in to wake her up. <laughs> good morning. Good, good morning. morning. <laughs> um, it just makes me so happy. Yeah. It's just the joy of movies, and it's beautiful Technicolor amazing production values and so filmically interesting. I mean, it really is, um, it's co-directed by Stanley Donan and and Gene Kelly. And, um, it really holds up with, you know, the height of Hollywood narrative filmmaking. It's it's really wonderful in terms of camera technique and editing and story structure and all of that stuff. It's just amazing. You don't need me to tell you about it. Agreed. Yeah. So that was my (laughs) number four. All right. Number three for me, um, it's something that we've started doing weekly since we've been in lockdown, um, which is Alton Brown's Quarantine Kitchen. Oh, that's on your list? <laughs> that is. Um, I just, you have to explain what I'm that just, is. So Alton Brown, um, who you may or may not be familiar with, um, he used to have a show on the Food Network called Good Eats. I think they've re- they ha- he has one that's Good Eats Reloaded. Yeah. I love Good Eats. I always used to watch it. I've never seen the original. He taught me how to cook. Him and Rachel Ray taught me how to cook. Um, I've gotten better since the, since then. But they taught me how to cook. But Alton Brown and his wife are um, locked down in Atlanta. And they go live on YouTube every Tuesday night. And they cook something random. And they drink on, on screen. And he says vaguely dirty things, which I think are hilarious. They're almost, almost yeah. <laughs> stepping on the dog. And they break to... glasses. You know, there's, it's, it's chaos. Um, and they're just shooting off their yeah. phone or something. He's just streaming to his they're, YouTube channel. They're just a thoroughly charming couple. They clearly adore each other. And, and they he's, played, they played the, their little she, rock band. She got a bass for her anniversary. And so they played together. They're going to play some Pixies yeah. next time I hear. So I'm excited about that. It's funny. I'll, I'll ask like, what night is Alton <laughs> Brown on? When are they making dinner? And you're like, it's Tuesday nights is when they make dinner the, together. Well, they, and we haven't seen the, they did a breakfast one the other day, oh, which we haven't seen I still seen haven't yet. finished the last one. So, um, Alton Brown posted on his YouTube channel and we just, I, I stumbled across it because I follow a lot of food things on YouTube and they just suggested it to me. And it's just been so delightful to have, you know. How timely is that? Yeah. So you've got something on your list that's actually right now other folks in lockdown. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see what what the people, you know, the public figures and the celebrities are doing with all of the live streaming yeah. and stuff like that. And the musicians who are performing in their bedrooms or at their own piano and just streaming for their fans and then you've got let's just put on the camera, the camera and make dinner and together. make dinner while drunk it's it's amusing we could do our own version yeah of that. we could do that although um, i can't cook so. i well i could teach you maybe <laughs> it would probably go about as well it'd probably go about as well. i can make things, the off-color comments one of, of the things that i love about it so much i mean because i've been watching alton for probably over 20 almost 20 years now um, so I'm very familiar with him and how he is, but his wife is much more intuitive in her cooking, which it never occurred to me that he, I mean, he's always very exact on the show, but I figured that he was like me. I'm an intuitive cook, but apparently he's not. He's very precise. Mm-hmm. And his wife is a very intuitive cook and she kind of like a little of this, a little of that. And I just love that sort of... I love seeing the look on his face sometimes when yeah. she does these things. I don't think she even knows unless yeah. she looks back later that he's sometimes making aside comments to yeah. us because he's usually got the camera. Yeah. He's also a little drunker than her. He's usually. a little drunker than her. <laughs> They've always got... Uh, I think they start with wine and they make a cocktail at some yeah. point and... Uh, it goes from there. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's a good pick. I had yeah. no idea you chose something that current. Well, you there. know, for me, it's anything Alton Brown, he's just comforting. Comforting. I have his cookbooks. You yeah. know, he's just he's just a part of my life. And it's so great that I get to see him live now every, every week. <laughs> so finally, on my list, we come to something that's not uh, 60 or 70 years old. Ooh. And uh, it's the most recent thing on my list, and it's Francis Ha from 2013. Oh, yeah. Francis Ha, if you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful film um, written and starring Greta Gerwig and directed by Noah Baumbach. Yeah. There are a couple, of course. And um, it's black and white, 
It's an indie comedy. And Francis Greta Gerwig's character is sort of perpetually in between, in an in-between state. She's mm-hmm. never necessarily totally grown up. Um, she doesn't have a real place to live. She's kind of things, she doesn't necessarily have a real job. She kind of works at a dance studio for kids or something like that. Um, she's kind of awkward. Yep. <laughs> and she has a best friend and it, and they fall out during the course of the, the film, I think, as the friend kind of moves on. And you, and France, I don't know how to describe this movie. She or It's all about Greta Gerwig. It's all yeah. about her and this character. It's about somebody who lives so completely in the moment, who is just so utterly charming and full of life and just sees the world differently yeah. i'd like it brings me like so much joy some of the scenes in that movie that you know almost to tears kind yeah. of thing it's just like you want to be there with this person yeah. and um it, it is kind of it does sort of track her her passage of sort of maybe starting to grow up and and find her way and and having to learn how to maintain that beautiful spirit that she has while also maturing in the external parts of her life. Yeah. I think finding some stability because she, you can't live like that forever. <laughs> you can't just, you know, kind of couch surf or have an internship or, you know what live I mean? Live with roommates. Or there's a, <laughs> yeah. there's a weird, about two thirds of the way through, I think her job ends up being like, she's like a counselor at a camp or something like mm-hmm. that. It's just such weird makeshift stuff. Yeah. Um, you root for her always, and nothing really ever sets her back because she always has that. I'm going to get up the next day and and do my thing. Yeah, it's I love that movie, and it's uh, before. I'm sorry, you, you have something to say about no, it. No, so. go ahead. Well, I was just say the other thing I love about it is that it taps into my love of French New Wave film yeah. because it's very much inspired in the filmmaking, in the sensibility of it, of that sort of Truffaut kind of film like Jules and Jim or The 400 Blows. Yeah. And I know I've heard her in interviews talk about how, like, I think 400 Blows and stuff was an inspiration. She wanted to make a girl movie Mm. that had that charm and whimsical sort of nature of a 1959 breathless 400 blows Jules and Jim kind of thing. And they did it. They even used some of the same music, I think yeah, from, from 400 blows. As, Where she's uh, wandering through the city. W- yeah. Wandering through. So I don't know. I, I, I'm going on and on and on about <laughs> it, but I, if you have anything to well, say about it. You know, so the, the thing that I remember most about that movie is there's a scene, it may be towards the end and she has this monologue where she's talking to, she's at a dinner party and like, I don't know how it comes up. I guess they're talking about relationships or something like that, but she has this monologue where she talks about how that scene. (laughs) she's at a party and she's with someone, but, but that someone's across the room talking to someone else and you look at that person and they look at you and there's that brief eye contact and this like, joy in knowing that that's your person over there and i don't know it's that's that's such a good scene Um, the whole movie is wonderful yeah that's my favorite scene (laughs) in the movie yeah (laughs) and what's weird is she describes that feeling at length and it's so beautiful but it's also really long and awkward in the context of it's kind of a dinner party just stop and listen to her it's it's a dinner party with people she doesn't really know very well i forget what the circumstances are but it's something that you would share like with the friend but Mm. it was too real and authentic to to be in the context of like small talk yeah and so she she, doesn't always perform or you know her social skills are not always where they are supposed to be in terms of like the norm. And I think at the end, she's just like, well, I got to go kind of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time to go. So <laughs> how awesome is it that, you know, she made that then seven years ago now, and now she's such an accomplished film director. I mean, she wrote that screenplay and, you know, yeah. but now she's directed um, Lady Bird so and good. Little Women. 
Yeah. And she's... So I put Lady Bird on the other day. Just Yeah. I just put it on, she's you know. She's one of my favorite things about movies right now. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah, exactly. I forget. I, I know what it is, and I can't think of what it is now. And... You know, I was so skeptical about needing another little woman, but we did. We needed that little woman. I can't wait yeah, till it comes I out really on DVD. Was kind of almost, except for the fact that it was Gerwig and Sir Sharon, and I was sort of almost rolling my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like when the trailer came up yeah. the first time, I was like, "Oh, okay, more Little Women." So good. Another Little Women. So good. So your uh, my number two pick. Uh, so this actually is actually kind of related. Um, also, a female protagonist movie. I had the hardest time choosing. There were two movies. I'll mention one of them in the, you know, um, runners up if we have time to discuss that. This one is uh, Thor Birch in Ghost World. Oh, okay. Um, I can't describe how influential this movie is to me. I just, the way it looks, the way the characters are, the music, the everything about it is just that sort of feeling of ennui and and weird people getting along in their lives it's just Tell, it's so perfect for people who don't know <laughs> ghost world give a little background so on it so it's based on a comic book by i can't remember daniel klaus daniel klaus um, which I've read, but I didn't read it before I saw the movie. The movie is my idea of, and like if you go back and you read the comic, it's a little, it's not as sentimental. It's a little harder. Um, I think just having someone in three dimensions or two dimensions as movies are is different than a comic book. It just, the comic book seems a little more sarcastic, whereas you get to see the sort of, Full reactions but of people. There is a lot of sarcasm at the heart of there this is, movie too. There is. It is a very sarcastic film, but also you see the the actors are just so good. It has Thora Birch. It has Steve Buscemi. It has Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. Um, I forget who her dad is. It Bob Balaban is her dad. Uh, maybe I, I. Someone who looks like Bob Balaban. It may it's not probably be. Bob Balaban, but I've seen so many of these movies lately. Yeah. I can't remember who the parents are. <laughs> um. But it's just her. She's she's just graduated. It's the summer after she high school. She and her best friend Scarlett Johansson. She finds out she didn't graduate after all because she failed her art class. So she has to take a remedial art class in oh, the, the summer. Summer class art. You know, in the meantime, her friend wants to move on to the next stage of her life, and she wants to move into an apartment with her. Scarlett Johansson wants yeah, to move. They're supposed to get an apartment together uh, yeah. and get jobs together and start their path in the world together. And she's and and Thor Birch's. What is her name? Don't worry about No, don't take yeah. the time to look it up. <laughs> well, it's just on the back of the box. Okay. But, um, yeah, there's... She just... She's not ready for that. She wants to be different. She wants to be outstanding. So she tries all these different looks. She tries a punk look. You know, she starts hanging out with this Steve Buscemi, who's this old record collector, just because he's weird, and she's interested in weird and interesting things, and she's just not ready to settle down and do what's expected of her, you know, and there's that this sort of loneliness that goes along with that, and... Well, also that fear of, like, becoming a real adult, yeah. and that strange, awkward transition from the end of high school into... Well, I think, yeah, there's this you know pressure what I mean? for what you're supposed to do with your life. But versus, you're not feeling it at all. Yeah, you but you want don't want to do what's expected or what you're supposed to do. You want to do something different. You want to be, you want to be who you are, but you don't know who you mm -hmm. are. So I saw this, I saw it at the Arbor Theater, which is now a Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> In um, next to the Barnes and Noble, she in, would hate that. Enid, yeah, I, I know Enid. That's Enid right. would hate that. Enid would hate that. Um, now is a cheesecake factory. The Arbor Theater did move to another location, but I saw it when it was in its original location. Um, I saw it by myself. I had just moved away from from home. Um, I was by myself in an apartment um, near college. I didn't know anyone, and I just went the day it opened, and it just. It said so many things about being stuck in your hometown, which I was for a year after I graduated. I went to the, the community college in my town, mm 
um, and just stuck there after all the like all the people I knew from high school went away, and there were a few people that I hung out with, but it was just it was just such a weird experience like everybody had moved on except for me and I was just like waiting for for things to change Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do what the expected thing was and because I've always had that sort of contrarian streak in (laughs) me (laughs) so it just was the perfect thing um and and I think you can see in my photography and my artwork and and a lot of things that I enjoy, you can see the influence of that. You know, they have these great shots, long shots of this, like, strip, this commercial strip of this town that they live in somewhere in Southern California with all the all the telephone lines, you know, mm-hmm. and the blue sky that goes out forever and all the... She really likes telephone lines. Yeah. <laughs> and silhouettes. <laughs> and old, old signs, you know, mm-hmm. so it's... I always think of uh, that old man Norman sitting on the, uh, oh, bus, on the bus bench that the bus that never comes. Yeah. Um, so interest. So, but you put this on your list of things that bring you comfort. So it's got so much angst at the heart of it. Yeah, it what does. is it that makes you want to watch it now, and why would you put it on this list? Is it because you identify with it so much, or is it? It's, you remember identifying with so much? No, or it, just it feels holds... like an extension of myself. I yeah. still think, I still identify with it so much, yeah. you know. Um, to feel that awkward and that weird, and then it not really even bothering me, you know, that... <laughs> you know, some people, you know, spend <laughs> all their lives trying to feel the same. Yeah. And I, f- I don't know. It's just, it's nice to be with someone who gets it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I love that movie too. And it was, um, it, it, it probably would, it may have made my list if I knew that you, I knew that you were probably going to pick it. Yeah. <laughs> so I made sure not to put it on, but yeah. it's an, it's another, it's an important movie for me too. Yeah. For a lot of the same reasons, yeah. but I just happen to be 10 years older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just always felt uh, like an outsider, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it's that like she doesn't even care, you know. Yeah. And she's looking for someone who's like that too, and I think that's why she connects with Seymour, mm-hmm. you know, the record collector guy cuz he's he's accepted his his difference and she starts disapproving of him when he sort of goes when back. When he starts like going back to the he did start dating the realtor woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She takes him to see Blues Hammer, that yeah, terrible blues, blues, band. Blues, blues band. No, that's actually a different, different scene, I oh. think. I thought the real estate woman. No, took she him to takes that. him to see a. He takes her to see a blues guy, and Blues Hammer is opening. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, I know they're together. Oh, no, no, but... the blues guy is opening for Blues Hammer, and then they. She tries to make him pick up that woman at the bar, and she loves Blues Hammer. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. All right, number two. Number two. Okay. Um, this popped into my head almost immediately, and it's My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, yes. The, I don't even know how to say it. After all these years, to- Totoro. Totoro. Um, the Miyazaki anime feature film, uh, Totoro, about um, two little girls, Mei and Satsuke, who move to a new home in the country a dilapidated old house with their dad while their mom is recuperating somewhere in an asylum or some kind of hospital. It's very vague. We don't, it's almost like we have their understanding of the situation. We don't know any details, but their mom's sick and in confinement of some kind. We don't know what. And so it's sort of that summer that they, they move into that new place and they're on the edge of like a forest and, um, a forest full of uh it's a this, magic forest a magic forest full of what are they totoro forest sprites i guess forest spirits yeah and he, i don't know he's like a giant like the 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 biggest totoro is, is sort like of a, a rabbit woodchuck kind of thing? a giant rabbit woodchuck bear but gentle and um brings the power of life he makes mm, things grow. grow they stumble upon him in his the littlest one actually finds him in, in May is her name. Yeah, May yeah. in the forest sleeping and she falls asleep on his tummy, like his <laughs> giant, you know, and furry tummy. But um okay, so that's 
the very minor trappings of a plot that there are, but it's not about story and nothing bad ever really happens in this movie. It's just about being in this summertime world of these little girls and the magic of this forest, this, these forest spirits. Yeah. And, um, how that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's literally what it's about. It's, it's very short film. I think it's probably less than 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's the beautiful hand-painted animation by Miyazaki. And it's so joyful and innocent. And it's one of the first films I ever showed, Fiona and Sky. I'm sure that I probably even showed them the Japanese version, yeah. like before I even had a dubbed copy of it. And they've always loved this movie and they never needed any dialogue it doesn't really matter what, what exactly Mei and Satsuke are saying to each other it's about because everybody every child every everyone understands you know seeing the little girl wander down the path or fall down the hole and and end up you know in the arms of this big cuddly fuzzy monster who's super gentle and makes everything okay during this time of what would otherwise be very uncertain and, and yeah. stressful having to go to school in a new in a new place they don't know mm -hmm. having the weird obnoxious neighbor boy who's always teasing them um those are the little tiny bits of conflict yeah. and of course the big one is the one that's never really totally acknowledges the mom who's sick and that they really desperately want to be reunited with and to know everything's going to be okay and do we end up feeling like everything's going to be okay yes we yes. absolutely do but <laughs> you you just want to spend this time with Totoro and yeah. and the little girls and their father. And I like it too because it's a dad and his two girls yeah. and they're about the same maybe not quite the age difference uh, I think there's a bit more of an age difference between yeah. my kids. But I always like to think of, you know, Sky is kind of like May and Fiona's <laughs> kind of Satsuke, the older one and, yeah. and, and it, I don't know. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I, and and I have watched it so many times. Yeah. I've watched it by myself. I've watched it with the girls. I've dragged them to see it at Austin Film Society <laughs> or the Paramount. Um, I would see it again right now. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing. Good. I actually, I had seen it sh shortly before we started dating, I want to say. I, I saw it and it, loved it immediately. And I bought a copy for my brother's kids. Um, oh, did yeah. you? I didn't remember that. And, did I know? Um, I think Ren was a little young, but Titus and Gavin were, and they, you know, watched the whole thing, which mm -hmm. is, you know, surprising because they have not very long attention spans, but they sat through the whole thing. I bought Titus a cat bus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A stuffed cat My bus. My kids have, um, don't we have a dust sprite on the we wall do. right now? We have a dust sprite on the yeah. on the door. A little smudgy thing with big, a little black smudgy fuzzy with big googly white eyes. Matches all the cat hair yeah. fuzzes around. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people's experiment experience with Miyazaki, if they've seen any of these, might be with some of the more adult ones like yeah. Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke, yeah. which are very different in feel yeah. and and genre than than this film and. If you at all have an open mind about going back, if those weren't quite your thing or or if you feel like you've done this already, go back and see um, Totoro, my neighbor Totoro. Totoro yeah. Because um, it's just so it's, unique. It's joy. And innocent. Yeah. Simple. Beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's like just being able to spend time. Oh, of course, I long to spend time in the country now yeah. <laughs> that we can't even leave our house. We could go to the country if well, you want. <laughs> we can also watch Totoro. Yes. <laughs> All right. Have we reached number one? We have. So I couldn't limit it to one. So I had to. Cheat. Cheater. I cheated. Um, my number one is any Jane Austen adaptation. <laughs> I'm gonna think of some terrible and ones I now. Will, I I've seen Mansfield some terrible. Park. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Northanger Abbey. No, I, don't, I haven't seen. I've North seen Anger Mansfield Park. Park. I don't remember. Mansfield Park is okay. This is Pride and Prejudice with um, what's her name in it. So I have 1995 Pride and Prejudice, which we have done on We've the done podcast. That on the show. 
Um, We're allowed to pick things. The Angley Sense and Sensibility. Love that one. Which I could just put that on and I mean, I can put it on now. You have. If it's rainy outside and there's nothing to do, sometimes I just put that on. Sometimes I sleep halfway through it, but I just love that movie so much. I quote it all the time. All the time. She does. (laughs) Don't mention the rain. (laughs) You always say that. It's not going to rain. You always say that and it always does. Okay. It's true. <laughs> That's the one with the Emma, siege Emma of the Nile is in Abyssinia. Sorry, yeah. um, and then she Clueless. Those are my top. Wait, three. you're counting Clueless as a Jane Austen? It is adaptation. a Jane Austen adaptation. I know of, it is. It's an adaptation of Emma, um, which is Emma is my Clueless favorite. Clueless is Jane also Austen. Clueless, and I would have put <laughs> Clueless on, except I thought you would have it on your list. But it I would have put it on. on my list. I would have put it on of its own of accord its own without accord. any connection to Jane Austen. I couldn't decide. It's like picking amongst children or something. Um. <laughs> not allowed to do that. <laughs> Happy it birthday, just, Fiona. They're so comforting about the sort of things that Jane Austen people get they're being a bonnet about, you know, this, you know, dowries and, and who's marrying who. And, you Did know, you even mention the, Emma? Yeah. Is there not, is there not a, well, there, I don't love the ad, Emma adaptations. I love Emma the book. I just, I haven't seen the new one. It might be you good. Said any Jane Austen okay. adaptation. Well, but I'm just listing my top three favorites. <laughs> I will watch any. I've even seen watch, the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma probably two or three times. I've just seen it eleven hundred times. It just <laughs> It's fine. It, you know, it makes it reminds me I'm a little drunk now. Um <laughs> It's not. She's not. It's not. It reminds me I had a sixteenth uh, century literature this? instructor who was talking about um what in 16th century England, what they found beautiful, and she was like, they like they liked women who looked like Emma, and she was so dismissive. Uh, I mean, uh, they like they liked women who looked like Gwyneth Paltrow and Emma, um, and she was just so disgusted by that, you know, this sort of blonde, mm-hmm. pink cheeked kind of thing going on. Um, but there's just so something so comforting about watching a film where the big concerns are, you know, not. Although, you know, there's a great scene in, in Sense and Sensibility where um, Marianne has a terrible illness, you know, but really she's suffering from a broken heart. Also an illness, but mostly a broken heart. You know, there's leeches. There's leeches. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I love, I love them. And then, you know, Clueless is its own, its own thing, but um, also comforting and quotable. <laughs> I like that we have a few things in common. I didn't put Clueless yeah. on my list, but Clueless is for sure. Could watch it anytime. Yeah. Always funny. Always comforting. Know every line. It's mm-hmm. perfect. And Paul Rudd still looks exactly like that. Paul Rudd is one of the immortals. Yes. Like actually, like probably a vampire or something. Hashtag probably a vampire. Yes. Okay. Well, my number one. Um, I had a tough time narrowing down, but I forced myself to choose one. It's Bringing Up Baby. Ah, yes. But really, it's a stand-in for any Cary Grant screwball comedy. Yeah, exactly. But Bringing Up Baby holds up on its own. It's yeah. Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn and their pet um, cheetah? Leopard. Leopard. Baby. Leopard. The baby. Baby the leopard. Baby the leopard who is docile whenever you play the, it's that song. It's not his pet. Though. No, it's not his pet. It's much more complicated yeah. <laughs> than that. He's a paleontologist trying to find the last bone for a dinosaur that he's been constructed. He's very straight lace, glasses, nerdy. Not a usual Cary Grant character. Yeah, exactly. And she is the um, manic pixie dream girl, crazy source of chaos who... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those rich girls. Yes, those dizzy heiresses. Heiress... 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 The Pharisees. Um, uh, who um, uh, takes a fancy to him uh, in a strange way um, while insisting that he's following her. And uh, she has a pet leopard that mm. escapes multiple times they all get wrapped up together well, somehow they get him confused with the leopard from the zoo there's too. more than one leopard there's yeah. baby the leopard who is a present from her brother who's on safari who's a docile 
tame leopard, leopard who's fine, who purrs and loafs around the room and likes records. And then there's an actual escaped zoo or circus uh, leopard, leopard yeah. who, of course, mistake, you know, three's company, mistaken identity. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. It's not about the plot. It's about all the craziness and the gags yeah. and the perfect chemistry and charm of Catherine Hepburn and, and Cary Grant. It's got slapstick, like, the the scene where um her dress the back of her dress is torn in the restaurant and they have to walk sidle with him yeah. right behind her shuffle shuffle sideways <laughs> in such strange it's just they're both amazing they're amazing with language and wit and and the the repartee and also comic the physical comedy yeah. is just top notch um, so bringing up baby, but you could fill that in with any of those other things I love. Also, they were together in Holiday, um, the Philadelphia Story, Philadelphia Story which would with be James mine. Stewart, which isn't really a screwball comedy. It's a, it's, it's so amusing though. Yeah. It's so good. Um, my favorite wife, The Awful yeah. Truth. Yeah. Any any Cary Grant screwball comedy. Catherine Hepburn's good, but she's only in a couple of them. Yeah. So you got to do Irene Rosal- Dunn, Rosalind Russell, Rosalind Russell, His Girl Friday. Yeah. I love these movies. I could watch. Irene Dunn is so good. Watch them any time, any day. We said that about everything on our list. Yeah. I could put it on right now. I think we did go to see His Girl Friday AFS a couple. I haven't actually seen Bringing yeah, a Baby for a with, while. Um, the the film critic Molly Haskell, Molly Haskell in person. Was there. Yeah. Um. So it's, as far as comfort movie, it's a very manic, chaotic movie. It's kind of loud and obnoxious and crazy and breakneck speed and like... A lot of the screwballs are that way, though. But so delightful, so silly. Absolute escapism. Yeah. I just love this stuff. It's funny, you know, to be able to maintain that energy, you know, over a long period of time, it's... It's quite a, a feat for the actors that are doing that, you know. It's so good. <laughs> so we came to the end of our lists. Yes. Did is there anything else you wanted to mention that didn't quite make it? Also ran or short, uh, you know, kind of fell by the wayside. Boy, slightly tough choices. So I'll mention two. I have a bunch of things that I would list also that didn't get on here. But as far as, like, movies I could watch again and again and again, and I have watched again and again and again, All About Eve. Oh, that's why you yeah. were making faces at me when yeah. I said, like, George Sanders in yeah, All About Eve. Yeah, in All About Eve. So Addison DeWitt um, and a wonderful He's gotta performance. He's got to be a cousin to Clifton Webb. Such a wonderful movie. performance by Betty Davis. Um, she's just a... Marilyn Monroe's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's she's great. And, oh, God, what is the... Ann Baxter is Ann Baxter. Oh, my God, she's... So good. As Celeste Holm is uh, as yes, Celeste Holm is. I can't remember who she, who her, who the guy is she's dating. I never remember any of the the actors. The man's name, the yeah. Man, yeah. It's, which I think is is a testament to how great this. It's a it's a great it's, it's a film great about women. women's piece. Uh, just, and is her name Thelma Ritter, the 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 assistant? The, the yeah, yeah. She's the, always that acerbic kind of older woman. She's in the rear maid, window yeah. as as the the woman who comes to give him his physical therapy. Yeah. she's so great. I love her. She's so good. She's in Pickup on South Street. That's the right. one where she's the she's the pickpocketer. Uh, mm. The she has this gr- amazing like sarcastic flat voice, deadpan flat. Sarcastic. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's um, that one I saw once. On TCM, Turner Classic Movies, one afternoon, and I watched that. I just put it on, and it was just instantly mesmerizing. You know, the the story of the aging actress and yeah. and the young ingenue that's coming for her. That's you know? when you could just put on and go to another room, and it's like it would be like yeah. a radio play or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's the dialogue is so great and yeah. crackling, and you just want to. Betty Davis it's so is sophisticated, so good at it. She's just. Um, the other one, which I, I have a hard time choosing between Ghost World and Lost in Translation. Ghost World just edged Lost in Translation, um, but uh, Sofia Coppola's Lost in Translation with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. Interestingly, Scarlett Johansson is in both Ghost World and yes, Lost in Translation. And they came, they, I think they came in, came out in the same they year. Came out around the same time, um, or maybe within a year or two of each other, and it's just this perfect. That's Bill Murray 
And um, uh, he just such an amazing performance by him and Scarlett Johansson. Sort of, although you know, if you, the reason that Ghost World edged it, although they both have uncomfortable relationships between people who are differently different the age stages. difference is not appropriate in either film. Yes, um, but. Um, just that feeling of sort of like being lost somewhere and finding a connection with someone, you know, I think when I saw it, when I was younger, I read it as friendship. It looks a little bit more like romance now that I'm read older. As, as much like friendship <laughs> when we saw it recently. Yes. Yes. It, it seemed now that little, I'm Bill Murray's age. Yeah. It seemed a little it more. It didn't play as innocent as it did before. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about exploring the city. I mean, if anything, it's like an emotional affair, affair learning, of some kind, right? There's there's this line where she's talking to him and she's talking about like this like adolescent female experience. And she says something that like just stuck with me. And she was like, you know, you hang around, take pictures of your feet. Which like <laughs> to me, like that was just like... Sophia Coppola knows what it's like to be a girl. A disaffected girl yeah. with an artistic because, sensibility. Because, like, I, when I took my photography class, you know, we had these assignments. And, like, I remember one of my assignments was to take a picture of something, like a texture or something like that. One of the things I tried to take a picture of was my feet. You know, so it just, um, perfect. Perfect. She's uh, making films yeah. about you. Yes. <laughs> That movie almost made it onto my yeah. list, even more so than Ghost World. So we've always had those two movies in common. I saw them here in Austin, probably mm. at the Arbor, around the same time. And um, yeah, they, I like them a lot. Any uh, runners well, for me, up for I mean, you? I scribbled out a couple other ones. I think one that would have kind of fulfilled the same role as Laura, the film noir with the great dialogue for me, is The Third Man. Oh, the yeah. Carol Reed film with Joseph Cotton and uh, Harry Lyme, you know, Orson yeah. Welles as Harry Lyme and the Zither music in war-torn Vienna. And footsteps. Black and white photography, um, <laughs> Dutch angles, all cockeyed, <laughs> shadows in the streets and just fantastic dialogue. The wonderful appearance of the entrance of Orson Welles in the doorway with the light and the kitten around his feet <laughs> and the Harry Lyme theme. I... I love it. I mean, it's, is it a positive film? Is it a hopeful film? Well, things don't really go well for anybody in it, but to be in that, it, it's definitely a being in another world and another time and a place and this kind of micro world of knowing that film so well, it's just, you want to be there with it. And I could see it any day of the week. I've only seen it once. I think it's I love, been a while. Really? Yeah. I it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I place that probably on my top 10. I should see it again. Yeah, we should. Um, I also wrote down uh, Maltese Falcon. Uh-huh. So some of those I've things. I've only seen that once too. Well, and that's a stand-in for any of those sort of Bogart movies. Yeah. Casablanca, I have, I love, I connect with even more emotionally, but I, I just like that that sort of era of 30s, 40s um, Bogart. Yeah. Um, and I wrote down, um, I wrote down Ozu. Mm. Uh, the Japanese director, Ozu, and I couldn't really decide, but there's a few of his movies. Maybe we'll do one on the show sometime. Floating Weeds, which is a beautiful color film, uh, 1959, about that theatrical troupe um, who, you, you know, they, they, they show up in a village and they stay for a few months at a time and take over the theater and all that. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful, quiet film all of his films are beautiful and quiet (laughs) and often not very dramatic just about domesticity and everyday life the other one i wrote down is good morning the one about the little the japanese boys who want their parents to get a tv yeah a color tv or whatever yeah and then they go on sort of a big silent strike yeah (laughs) um it's just silly and cute and um and just about everyday life um, Tokyo Story, which ends up being a little sadder, but it's also so sad. real in terms of like family, just you know, older parents and 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 their their children growing up and starting families of their own, and then the just you know not seeing them enough or visiting enough. And I don't know. It's not a happy film, but it's a beautiful film that that takes the time to observe these people with such empathy 
I think it's that empathetic viewpoint that I really yeah. like to live in. So those were a couple of things I wrote down. Pretty happy with what we came up with. Yeah, I think so. It's a good and, list. And as as it always is with this kind of a list, I think it would be completely different next week. Oh, yeah. I'm sure things would drop off and other things would come to the top. Yeah. But So we did it. We did yeah, 50 did. episodes. Did you ever think we'd make it to 50? I did. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? No, I'm You thought you would drop it off? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There have been a few tough months where in with stuff going on that, you know, where we've missed a week or two and it's almost like, well, should we still do this? Yeah. I'm glad we're still doing it. Well, I mean, for me, I just have to show up for the conversation. I feel kind of bad about that. I write the blurbs. I show up for the conversation. You do a lot more of the, um, you know, the work it takes to get it. It Put really online. doesn't. I have it down. And, I mean, there's not a. I don't do a lot of production. I mean, you can probably tell. But, no. <laughs> um, this will be posted tomorrow yeah. with minimal editing. So but there will be a blurb. There will be a blurb. <laughs> She's responsible for the blurb, and I'll just have to remind you about six times. So. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but that's fine. Well, I mean, just something a little bit of a difference about our personalities which is that i am most consistently optimistic about things um so i just figure you know at 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 some time you know even if we didn't get it to this week or we do don't do it next week we'll get to it eventually you know yeah but if we miss a week for me i'm like are we still doing this we're never doing this again are we doing this show anymore why do why should we even bother it's just not consistent so <laughs> we will still bother if you yes. will still bother to yes. listen, but we're, we'll, we'll do this for us and we'll do this for you, whoever's listening. And thanks for coming along for the ride. And if this is the first time you're joining us, go back and, and encounter a completely different show where the format is altogether different for 49 episodes. <laughs> and, uh, 52, and if you stuck with us for a while, um, <laughs> we're going to keep going. Yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks. And guess what? I get to choose a movie. Me too. This was this did not he take won't know my slot. Until the day before. This, yeah, I, I usually have three, and then like we'll pace around the room before I can even settle down and choose one. It I think it's it might be lawyer Laura, but it won't be Laura. So yeah, it'll be something else completely <laughs> yeah. Italian, Italian or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks contempt. for listening. We'll finally finish contempt. Well, yes, that's Fran- <laughs> French. Fra- Franco. Uh, uh, sorry, but produced by uh, that's it's right. an Italian it's, it's in co-production. Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. That's my Wikipedia uh, entry. All right. This was a marathon. We're over an hour again, so it's time for us to go. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.